Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Bill Humbert. He is the author of Employee 5.0, Secrets of a Successful Job Search in the New World Order. Bill, it's wonderful to have you with us. Thank you, Taryn. It's so much fun to be here. All right. Well, the first thing that grabs me are, are the numbers involved, 5.0. What does that mean exactly? How'd you come up with it? And was there an employee 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and so on? <laughs> well, you know, there's always been that employee 1.0. And two and three, I just figured I needed to get up into, into the front of the pack. And the problem for most employees is they treat their careers just like jellyfish, floating in the currents of their current company. And whatever happens, happens. And usually what ends up happening at some point is they get laid off. So employee 5.0 is a person who takes charge of their career. They're not floating, they're out there. What's the next step I need to do? What do I need to be uh, doing to be successful here? And how do I get to the next step? So that said, using your metaphor of the jellyfish, I'm curious about the impetus of the book. Were you just surrounded and you know drowning in all these jellyfish and you said, I, I gotta help these guys and gals? <laughs> you know, it's funny, Taryn. What I have found over the years is these people are just, they're floating. And so they don't have direction. And when they come to see me to find a job, what I'm able to do is to help them determine their direction and then take solid, solid steps forward. I guess from your perspective, you said to yourself, all right, I, I, I want to help them. And, and, and I know you wrote, a, you have another book prior to this. So talk a little bit, do they, con are they continuating books or, or kind of, you know, what was the genesis of this specifically as it compares to your first book? So my first book was written, it actually started as a, a number of blogs in 2009. So during that big recession, and I knew that people just, just because I've worked with them so long, I knew that they didn't know how to go about finding a job. So I wrote Recruiter Guy's Guide to Finding a Job, which was a lot smaller, and, but I just wanted to get it out and get people engaged in finding a job. Employee 5.0, Secrets of a Successful Job Search in New World Order, I wrote and put a lot more detail into it and then wrote it from the perspective, hey, stop being a jellyfish, take charge of your career. All right. And tell us a little bit more about this New World Order. Before I read it, I thought I had an inkling into what you meant, but in your own words, how would you describe it? Well, it is a New World Order. Um, you know, human resources employs artificial intelligence, or you see it as AI everywhere nowadays, to screen candidates out. And the problem is there are top talent in their applicant tracking system. 
But since that top talent in their resumes, they're not using the exact same words as a poorly written job description use, they never get chosen. Right, right. Yeah. And you talk about, you, you say that the talent attraction mirrors what you call the sales process perfectly. So talk about sort of that overlap. Well, it's, it's a perfect match as you go down through it. So the, the first step is to identify on the sales process, identify a need on the recruiting or job search process. It's, this is our need, you know, either the job or uh, a new person. And you go down through it step by step, and you'll find that every step mirrors the sales process. And sourcing for sales, lots of times that's networking. You sell a product to a company, and then you say, who else do you think needs our product? And then you network as a result. The best way to find a job is through networking, and you're doing the same thing. You're talking to people and saying, who do you feel I should speak with next? So the process mirrors perfectly. When did you have that aha moment? I mean, is this something that developed over the course of your 39 years or, or one day you said, wait a second, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, you know, this is reminding me of something else. So what I've seen over the years is that the, um, I, I began, began in pure sales as a contingent recruiter. So a headhunter. And unless I was selling, I wasn't making any money. And I kind of like to make money. Therefore, I started looking at the recruiting process first and I went, wow, that mirrors the sales process perfectly. And then as I started coaching people who were looking for work, you know, most unprofessionals, I went, wow, the job search mirrors the sales process too. And nobody knows it. <laughs> so Bill, the, the book's really terrific. And like you said, I, you know, I, I haven't read a book like this, you know, in terms of sales and talent attraction overlapping, which is really, really unique and something um, very different out there in the marketplace. But just some things that stood out to me, is this true? Can you verify and confirm? And I guess it's true because it's in the book I'm teasing, but you've read over 400,000 resumes. Did I read that right? I have, Taryn. You know, and, and that's, <laughs> it's amazing, but you know, I don't spend a lot of time on each resume, right? So, so yes, I've read over 400,000. I'm probably pushing 500,000 now. How did you enumerate that? I mean, were you keeping score? I mean, that's a, is, is that kind of just an average, a roundabout based on the amount of years you've been working or how did you, how did you quantify that? Well, I quantified it through different things. One is as a contingent recruiter, I knew how many resumes I was reading over a period of time. And then and, and then in that business, you tend to read an awful lot anyway. So you're trying to choose who you're gonna to introduce to your client. Well, my business since 1992 has been a different model. I work with one company at a time and I charge a flat monthly fee. And with them, I am still reading a lot of resumes you know, on the first pass. And nope, 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 yep. But the difference between me now, my dad used to say I had artificial intelligence too, but the difference between <laughs> me, different and, kind, right? Right. Uh, between me and and the our true artificial intelligence is I can read between the lines and go, oh, this person might have something. I'll put it into the next next pass. Fascinating. It's so interesting to get into the mind of a professional recruiter to, because you just said. You went, no, 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 no. So tell us more about that. How are you so quick on the draw to say no? What do you see? 
or, or, you know, or what's that red flag that just says, nope, negative, negative, negative. So can we talk about how long I spend on a resume? Please. <laughs> well, I we was, don't have, we don't have that much time left, but go. <laughs> I get it. I was timed in 1993 as I went through 150 paper resumes. And I like to believe I've improved since then. My assistant, Andrea, found that I spent as little as two seconds on a resume, and those were people that obviously were not fits. I spent as much as 12 seconds on a resume, and those were people that were eh, probably not a fit or the painful, I'll take another look. And I averaged six seconds a resume. Wow. That's, I feel like that's something that would be a Jeopardy question. I mean, that is so cool. <laughs> that's just, you don't hear about that every day. Do you go, I'm just curious, when you go to conference, do you ever go to conferences with other recruiters and it's kind of like a, a competition between, or maybe between your coworkers of who's got the best time? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's funny. I do hear that six seconds popping up once in a while. The, the truly professional recruiters, you, you know, in, in about three seconds, you know if the person has the right background. And now you're looking for accomplishments. And that's how, that's just the first pass. You know, that's separating the wheat from the chaff. Sure, sure. So what is, just, just to give a couple tidbits without giving the book away, what do you think is the most common mistake or, you know, someone makes when they write their resume? What, what, what is the number one thing that you see that you're just like, not again? <laughs> the sea of bullet points. Every, every single line has a bullet point. And when that happens all of the accomplishments get hidden in that sea of bullet points. So to me, that's their biggest mistake. Okay. So what is the recommendation then? What should you be doing? I recommend that you write your responsibilities in a paragraph format and then only bullet point your accomplishments. Now they pop out. Okay. So write your responsibilities in a paragraph and then your accomplishments in the bullet form. How do you feel about, I've heard, you know, for many people, one page versus two page. I mean, is two pages okay? Is that, does that give, you know, you have a lot more experience, that means you're older, but is that a good thing in this new world order, order as, as you call it? Well, what I'm seeing is that people who have 10 or more years of experience, two pages are fine. Um, three pages, maybe if it's justified, and, and they can always at, end at the end of two pages and just say previous experience was blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, but, you know, one page, certainly if you've got less than 10 years, unless you have some amazing accomplishments that you want to make sure get out there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. C-Suite Radio. Another stat, which I read, again, kind of just another wow moment for me. You've interviewed over 13,000 candidates? I have. Again, in incredible. So curious, what, what does that mean? Is, does an inter what does an interview consist of at the minimum? Is that a minute or what's kind of the bare minimum to qualify as an interview? So probably oh, about five minutes. 
because this is my could be my initial interview with that person to make a decision. Well, okay, I'm going to go take another look at them later, and then I'll set up a follow up interview that'll probably last about an hour. Okay, what is the biggest mistake people are making if you don't get past that five minute? Well, there's a bunch of mistakes people make. One of the ones that's sort of the one I favoritely hate is the person that comes back to me and says, I know who you hired and I'm better than they. People actually, well, I mean, I guess I understand the point, but do people use that wording? Sometimes. Wow, that's bold. That's bold. Yeah, that, that's bold and that's like, you know, you're done. <laughs> because it's sort of, I mean, it just says it all. If that's how you you know, communicate and present yourself in an interview with someone you're trying to impress. How are you going to speak when you get the job? That, that's just fascinating. It um, is fascinating. It's, it's, you know, crazy actually, but yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned in the book, so you, you say it's a 13 step process, right? Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. How did you come up? I mean, were there things left out those 13 specifically? Did it start with 20? How did you come up with that number and how did you figure out what was most important? Well, when you look at the sales process and the job search process, it's 13 steps. Oh, so they, they are exactly the same. Yes. Wow. That's, uh, that's something. I mean, I guess looking back, when you started out, Bill, and you started interviewing before you were in the real world, I mean, were you indirectly using these steps that you write about and not realizing it? Was, was it something innate to you? I'm curious kind of, you know, when you first started out. Well, that's a good question. I, I, probably not. You know, it's probably something that you learn through experience. I had six different careers before 1981. I mean, if you want to call them careers, jobs. And, and so I was able to get jobs, but uh, it wasn't until I became a recruiter, I found my passion. So, uh, so I haven't really looked for jobs, but I look for contracts and I use that with the contracts. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned a little bit, but it's always always interesting to hear from authors. What, how, how did you figure out that this was your passion? I mean, what was it about this area that you said, you know, this, this clicks? Well, you know, I was selling fertilizer to farmers in North Central Maryland, and somebody came up to me and they said, so, you know, you're good with people, you're good selling. Have, have you ever thought about being a recruiter? And I said, why should I be a recruiter? And they said, you'll make a heck of a lot more money. And so that was the start. Okay. But, you know, 1981, we were in a, we were really almost in a depression. We didn't have, we were, inflation was at 15 or 16%. It was a terrible time to begin as a recruiter. And my first year, I made $3,625, one fee. And I went, I could do really well in this. And so I, kept going and kept going. And every year I made more money. And, and my passion was to help my clients attract the best people. And then in the process, I was finding all these people that were getting so excited that I introduced them to the company. Then that became a second passion. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and it, it comes through in the book because it's so comprehensive. Um, curious, what, what is the best question for a job seeker to ask a manager during an interview? This is just kind of, you know, one, one tidbit bit in the book, but there's so many great nuggets and, and kind of treasures. Uh, if you are someone who has a job, but doesn't have a job kind of, you know, one of these jellyfish as you refer to them, but what is the one thing that you say, you know, make sure, make sure you ask this question. The way you preface it is, 
I'm a person who loves to set goals and to meet or exceed those goals. What are the three-month, six-month, nine-month, and 12-month goals for the position? And, and now you have the entire year laid out. That is solid. Wow. How often do you get that question? Or do the people you train get that question? Is that a, is that a rare question, a rarity in today's times? Well, you know, I'm telling them to ask the manager that question. And unfortunately, most managers have never been trained how to interview. And they don't, they don't, they sometimes don't even know how to respond. I was coaching a woman here on my front porch in Park City about a month ago. And she was a manager at a major uh, big four company. And I said, you know, when you create a job description, do you include the three month, six month, nine month and 12 month goals? And she, and she looked at me like this. She said, that would take me an hour and a half. And I said, Tracy, you're going to work 2080 hours next year. Spending that hour and a half, don't you think it'd be worth it? Right, exactly. And, what, and did she agree? Uh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, she needs to read your book then to be convinced, I guess. Um, well, she did pick up my book. Is okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, well, Bill, I, I can't believe it. We've barely scratched the surface, but this is such, uh, you know, it's very topical, especially for the times we're living in, um, in terms of the economy and the job market. And, um, you know, you go through everything, you know, just to, just to scratch, just to tell everybody what they can expect. You talk about powerful salary negotiation, you know, really interesting stuff. You talk about LinkedIn literacy, uh, effective networking, and you go through the, you know, the specifics of each one, but as it, as it relates to the sales process. Um, so it's, it's really terrific and it, and it moves very, very quickly. Um, so excellent stuff. Will the, will there be a third? Is there a third book to come? There is. It is the title. I'm already in editing with it. And the title is Expect Success, The Art of the Over 50 Job Search. Excellent. Well, we look forward to it. Uh, congratulations. We can't wait. And thanks so much. Thank you. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV via Zoom. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.